the way that the world is today, there's so many labels, so many titles, mm-hmm. so many names. You don't know who you are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why, like, I tell my wife, I'm just Sharif. Because... <laughs> You know, one day I might feel like this one over here. The next day I might feel like that over there. So just call me Sheree. Okay, not no they, them, other, none of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just us helping people discover themselves, who they are. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black, LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm joined today by a very special guest. Cherie Lawrence is in the building, one half of the Lawrence life. Cherie, tell the people about yourself. Well, a little bit about myself is I'm a new author. I just wrote my book, Love and Lies, Damaged But Not Broken. Uh, Check that out. And I'm sure we'll get more into that, you know, throughout this interview. And also I'm the CEO of Lawrence Life LLC with my wife, where we are, you know, into relationship and identity coaching. We also have a podcast out, you know, every bi-weekly. So we just out here doing what we can to help the community. I mean, you know, the entire community, because we don't just base our business and you know, things that we're trying to do just with the LBGT community. Um, we believe in bri- bridging the gap between the sexual orientation period. So, yeah, and we also have our clothing line that we're planning on launching this week, this week, tomorrow. Uh, Evolution of Love, you know, the T-shirts and stuff. So, you know, y'all will be seeing more of that too. So, yeah, the, right now, those are the things that we have going on. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely out here grinding. Okay. Out here grinding. So y'all just, I know you just had your birthday. Y'all had anniversary, launched the book, moving around, moving around. (laughs) Yes. Which is, which is great. Cause you know what, look, that's what it's all about. Right. It's getting to the grind. Um, but you know how we do over here. We got to go back to the beginning. Hey, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, today, you know, you're a CEO, uh, owner of multiple businesses, you know, in a very healthy, very public relationship. Um, but it didn't start like that. Right. So we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to, you know, we're going to show the journey, help some people, hopefully get to that place themselves and show them that, you know, look, you can start from wherever and you can get to the top. Right. So let's let's start at the beginning. Right. So let's go all the way back. We're going to talk about the book. Obviously, the book just came out. It's a very, 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 very transparent book. Uh, Love and Lies, like you said, damaged but not broken. You're very transparent. You talk a lot about, you know, your journey going all the way back. And one of the first questions I ask everybody is, when was the first encounter with your sexuality? I know the answer because I read the book. Y'all got to read the book. But let's just give them a little, let's give them a little sprinkling of how transparent you really get in this book. Man, like, it's crazy because it's tricky. You know what I'm saying? Because my first encounter wasn't the right encounter. You understand what I'm saying? Um, 
which I later learned that it was, I was being molested by this female that was a family member. But during that time at the age of, I believe I was like 13, 14, I wanted it because I've always been attracted to women. Um, and it was something that I desired that I wanted. So when it was presented, I was like, yeah, you know, I almost lost my mind. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But um, yeah, so that was my first, like, as far as with the same sex, sexual encounter. And, you know, I've always from, man, go all the way back, you know, I'm sure you probably read it in the book. Mm -hmm. you know? At, you know, about seven, at I think. the age five, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying? Praying that I wake up a boy. Like, I've just always had that strong desire for females. So, yeah, I was pretty young when I got involved with that. Yeah, but you definitely talk a lot about just, you know, um, obviously being uh, really close with your dad when you were young and, you know, playing ball and, you know, making compare, you know, making that comparison or when you finally were able to understand that, like, um, you wanted to be a boy, like you loved all things masculine and like, you know, just kind of that, that beginning of self-discovery, like right. talk about, talk about that for you in your early years. Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, at Christmas time, it was me and my cousins, we all went to my grandmother's house and, you know, Santa Claus, of course. So around about one o'clock in the morning, they call us all out. They had our different sections. I never went to my section. I always went to my cousin that was a boy, went to his section, wanted to play with his toys. I've just always been drawn to masculine things. And I you don't went know. with the Barbie dolls and the, you know what I'm he was saying? like, where the Legos, where the trucks at? <laughs> Like, I don't want none of that, you know? Yeah. Give me the racing car track, you know what I'm uh, saying? No easy bake ovens. Like, like nah. Now, I did like the easy bake ovens because okay. I love to eat and I love sweets. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that would look different, like, give me my oven. But other than that, man, I just always, I was drawn to that, you know? Um, my dad, he, he talks about it a lot because I was his first child. So he's like, oh, man, it was probably me, you know? But that is where I found my joy. Like, I love playing basketball, football. You know, I used to stand five, six years old, stand outside and watch the guys go and break dance. You know, back then they were break dancing and stuff on the cardboard. And I used to watch that and want to do that. I just, I, I was not into nothing girly mm -hmm. at all. So it, it goes all the way back. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're, uh, when when did you have your first uh, girlfriend? I had my first, very very first girlfriend. I was in the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. That was, but you know, nothing really happened. It's just you know, just played. You know, the first time you like the little I, I call it, I call like, it my do you want to be my girlfriend? Yes or no? Yeah, that, that kind of situation. Yeah, 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 where you officially yeah, call yeah. it like your girlfriend. 13. Exactly, and it's crazy because she. She was the girl that was dating my ex-boyfriend when I when we came back to school from the summer. <laughs> so I took her from him. Like, 
Right. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cold it's game good. out here. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. So uh so then for you, um, I need to talk about, you know, obviously when you're um growing up and you're, you know, in a religious family and how hard that is, right? You know, a lot of us deal with that. Um, and dating like, you know, kind of back and forth like the men and women trying to figure that out right because you're trying to please your family but then also make yourself happy um when did you ultimately decide you know what i'm gonna just be myself and i'm just gonna date women and, and go forth you know what it's crazy because the way that it all happened i've always been a tomboy uh dressed that way even uh i was in the sixth grade when my mom was like you can pick out your own clothes so immediately I, I went to the boys section and it was kind of easy back then because, you know, we had Queen Latifah, MC Light. They were wearing the baggy clothes, the boy mm-hmm. clothes. So it was, you know, acceptable, acceptable for you know a girl to wear saying? like, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first thing I started doing, wearing the clothes. I just, it was really hard for me to not be myself. You know what I'm saying? So I always acted that way. You know, they would be like, oh, this little boy over here, you ought to have him as your boyfriend. He's so nice. He's so cute. I'm like, nah. Because in my mind, I'm like, shoot, he, he gay too. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, nah, that ain't it. So right. it was, it, it was, I've always just been myself. And when my mother found out, because actually my mother found out, because she became suspicious. Right about the time, I think I was like 16, she became suspicious. And she, I guess while I was in school, she just went hunting in my room and found letters up under my bed to my girlfriend at the time. And multiple I didn't letters. deny it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't deny it. So it just went from that to them saying, oh, it's a phase. You're just going through a phase. What was in these letters? Was it telling them how cute they was, or was this like, was this like undeniable letters? Like, were these like, man, like, yeah, yeah, it's giving very much my my daughter like girls. I mean, come (laughs) on, you got to think about the R and B R and B groups that was out back in the day. So mm-hmm. I thought I was a little Prince Charming, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the things I was putting in the letter, there's absolutely no way mm-hmm. I could be like, nah, that's just my friend. What? Nah. Mm-hmm. nah. Yeah. So, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. And from that point on, that was it, you know? Yeah. So how hard was it for you to write this book? Oh, man. Hard. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it took me places that I hadn't went to in a long time. Um, I had, I actually had an emotional breakdown. I had to take a month off before I could go back and finish it. And it was, you know, basically God, my wife and my therapist that helped get me through and really push through to finish it because I was determined to finish it. Like I had started, I think I had got like past maybe chapter three or chapter four. And I was like, I can't do it, you know? Um, Because I did experience drawback, you know? Uh, I'm having problems right now with my family. There are certain members in my family that don't support it, don't like it. And 
it's different, you yeah. know, because I've always been a pleaser. So mm-hmm. it is different. And it was really hard. It was really hard. But I was determined to get my story out there just to help others, you know, yeah. to push that, be yourself, get your story out there. Like, that was a way of me using my voice, you know. So yeah. it was hard, though. It was yeah. hard. Yeah. As you wrote it, did you tell, like, because um, you obviously talk a lot about, you talk about your family very specifically, like you talk about your grandparents, your parents, it, different things that went on in your home, you know, all this stuff. Did you tell people that they were going to be in the book or did, did it like kind of, as you wrote it, you like decided who you might want to share with and who you didn't? Or was it kind of a blanket, like, I'm writing this book, I'm going to include, you know, you in the process? Yeah, well, no. Um, well, you know, my wife, she's a publisher. Mm-hmm. So she makes it very clear, you know, if you're going to write a book, it's good to tell, you know, let people know if they're going to be in it, or mm-hmm. what if, especially if it's going to affect them in some type, of, some type of way. So with me, I really didn't have to say too much. Um, with my father, when we had a conversation with him, he was like, you know, I told him I was writing a book about things I experienced as a child, he already knew, mm-hmm. you know, he said, well, baby, write your story, tell the truth. I know I'm not that person anymore. I know what I did. I support you, you know? And unfortunately, on the other side of things, it didn't go too well. Mm-hmm. Um, with my mother, I didn't even tell her. Actually, I didn't tell her. Um, I was experiencing anxiety while I was writing the book. So I had to go to the doctor and had an appointment with my um, physician and she prescribed me anxiety medication because I was really going through writing this book. And I had a conversation with my mother that day. And you know how it is um, when you talk to family or anybody and you be like, I'm having anxiety. I'm going through things. The first thing they think, something ain't right in the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, You're like, nah, actually. Like, nah, that ain't it. I said, I'm actually writing a book about my story, my life. That was it. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't agree. You shouldn't put your family out there. You shouldn't do it. I'm not going to support it. And from that point on, she hadn't supported at all. Um, so it was a lot, but yeah, I did, you know, try to have those conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate that like, you know, that's, that's people don't want you to tell your own truth because of what it makes them look like. But the reality is, you know, we got to heal, right. We got to get past that, break those generational curses and, you know, tell the truth is one, there's one quote that that you have in here and I think like there's the, the last piece of the sentence I feel like so many different people can insert something else right there and it's still true and I'm gonna read it to you it says I had so much unrecognizable rage built up inside of me between the violence infidelity and molestation I was dis- destined for failed relationships however I desired a girlfriend right and I like that because for one it's obviously a recognition of self-reflection you're clearly like I recognize what's happening, but I know that I want something else, right? Right. And that's such an important place to be for people because all of us experience that in some way, right? Like let's use college, for example. My parents didn't go to college, but I knew I wanted to go. Right, (laughs) right. 
I grew up in the ghetto. I don't have any money, but I want to go to college. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like that process of like, here's where I am, but here's where I want to be. But one thing that was unique was you'd immediately said I was destined for failed relationships because of all of this, all of my past. Right. But like that acknowledgement, I think is so critical because it's an acknowledgement of where you've been. You're like, I have never seen a positive example of this, mm-hmm. but I know that I want it. And then you go on in the book to talk about all these relationships. So from your experience, like what are some of the key things people can take away from like that journey of like, I know this is my past. This is my history. This is where I've been, but I know I desire this thing, but I don't know necessarily how to get there. What are some of those keys to that process? I think at the end of the day, to me, the key to that process is God. Because wherever we're destined to be, whatever we're destined to learn, he's going to take us through each cycle, each, you know, path. And we're going to learn something. If not, we're going to keep repeating it over and over and over again until we get it. So I just believe that, you know, anything that anyone is going through, if it's a certain destination, a certain end point that you want to get to, man, I'm learning to get big on prayer, you know, for him to guide me in a direction that he wants me to go as well. Because a lot of times we can say we want this, but he knows too. So it's just take your time to get there. Don't rush. Just take your time to get there. Take care of yourself. Understand yourself. Know yourself. And I feel like when you know that you know that you know, you'll be pointing in the right direction and you can yeah. get to your destiny. Yeah, for sure. And you definitely, you know, share, share a lot about your current, uh, your marriage right now, your current relationship. And, you know, you, uh, you and Carla are definitely a public couple, you know, very much transparent, give great relationship advice and all those things. Um, You talk about in the book, you know, uh, the beginnings of y'all's relationship and how you knew it was different. Right. And like, what were, what was that, that initial experience, you know, of, of knowing like, this is different. This is, is giving very much my forever. Yeah, it, it. It was giving my forever, but you grinning. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? <laughs> Woo, she was a beast. Yeah. But nah, it was just like that feeling. I, it, Taking back December 2015. December 2015. You see Carla. I I see Carla. Now, mind you, years ago, I had flirted with Carla in the mall. Oh, six. You know, yeah. Okay. So I flirted with her years ago. And then, like I tell everybody, this story is crazy because in 06, I flirted with her. Uh, A few years later, while I was working it, the girl had a magazine with Carla was on the cover of a local magazine. And she was like, you know this girl? And I was like, yeah. You know, by then, you know, she was in the ministry. I was like, well, a little bit too late now. 
So, you know. And got to go up in the church to find her now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, well, Dad, what happened? <laughs> so, so then I ended up befriending somebody that she was close with. And it was crazy because that day that I saw her, you know, I was like, she's still pretty. You know what I'm saying? That smile. Always something about her smile. Even to this day, her smile just do something to me. So after that night, man, we talked for like three hours that night. And I told her respect, you know, where she was coming from. You know, she was going through her spiritual battles or whatever. But I respected that. You know, I was like, I can be your friend. Maybe you can help me get a closer relationship with God, you know. And I'm getting there now, six years later. I'll be playing with her. I'm like, I'm finally getting there, baby. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. supposed to do initially. Mm-hmm. But nah, it was like after that moment, we did not separate. Like after that night, every single day, we were together. Mm-hmm. And I knew probably like a week later, I was leaving our house. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I had that, this strong feeling come over me. It was like, this is your forever right here. And I'm like, no, God, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I want to, I want to, I want to break that down just a little bit because one thing I like to talk about is so, so. Carla was going through, she went through her own healing journey, right? And you was like, oh, you go ahead, you good. Go ahead, do that yeah. healing thing. We good on this side, right? Right, you, right. You, finish, you know what I'm saying? I'll be here, um, right? Right. But then you learned through her healing and growing, you was like, oh, wait, maybe I need to be, <laughs> I need to be doing this with you, right? right? And how you were challenged by your per- your person to be better mm-hmm. and how- right. You took the call. You took the, you was like, okay, this is what I have to do because this is what I want. But that was yeah. hard, right? Like talk okay. about that process for you of like saying, okay, I'm not healed. I'm not who I thought I was. I do need to, you know, address myself so that I can be the best person in my relationship because you can still exist in a relationship, but you'll just still be, you know, whatever it is that you still have going on, but you won't be a better right. version. But talk about that, per- that process of recognizing that you needed to heal and then recognizing that you needed to go to therapy and do your own process to be the better version of yourself. Yeah, man, I'm, it took me a few years, like for real, for real. Um, because I always felt like, I used to feel like it was hard, like, something is wrong with her. Like she's just emotional and everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was never anything wrong with me. Like, cause I was the relationship expert. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, mm-hmm. so, you know, I felt like for a long time, it was her until she started her healing journey. And I really started to see change in her and her reactions different you know she's reacting differently about stuff or she ain't paying me no mind as opposed to before it'll be a war you know what I'm saying I'm like okay I might need to check myself you know <laughs> like I might need to check myself and she will always say um when we would have like 
issues or things going on, she will always say, I'm tired of the same cycle. I'm tired of the same cycle, you know? And at first I really didn't pay any attention to that because I'm like, you creating a cycle. But when I really started to listen and started to see the change in her um, and realized that she was growing tired of the same cycle, it's like, okay, I need to get myself together. I need to, whatever might be going on with me, because you know, I'm like, I don't know, but I need to get myself together and see, you know? So that was, you know, pretty much what led to me agreeing, you know, get into therapy and do what I gotta do to become a healthier me so that we can become a healthier us. Yeah. And then you guys got married uh, last year, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Married the love of my life. Just celebrated your anniversary. Yeah, um, we did. We did. Yeah. Going strong. Um, yeah. Um, and you have a business together online. Um, Lawrence Life kind of umbrella. Uh, talk a little bit about just, you know, some of your current endeavors. Um, I know you just reaching, recently lost a podcast. Uh, what, what what's some of the things people can expect from the podcast? Man, real talk. Um, we believe in being transparent. We believe in having those real conversations, dealing with relationships, mental health, um, because we've been there. We There was a point in our relationship where we were toxic, you know, so we feel like we can really give the audience good advice on, you know, how to become a healthier um, dynamic. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because that's the leading thing right there. That's the most important thing, making sure that your relationship is healthy. Um, and outside the podcast, we got, like I said, the Evolution of Love t-shirts. We'll be launching that uh, tomorrow. So check that out. And pretty much evolution of love is just evolving in love. Um, we're really big on love um, because we've been through so much. Mm -hmm. So Lawrence life is based, is centered around all things love. Uh, we also relationship and identity coaching to help couples that are going through in their relationships. And even individuals that's going through with their trying to figure out their identity, you know, especially so in single the world people, like single game. people who who desire to be in a relationship. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And then you know, we the way that the world is today, there's so many labels, so many titles, mm -hmm. so many names. You don't know who you are. You know, what I'm <laughs> right. that's why, like, I tell my wife, I'm just Sheree. Because, <laughs> You know, one day I might feel like this one over here. The next day I might feel like that over there. So just call me Sheree. Okay. Not no they, them, other, none of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just us helping people discover themselves, who they are individually and collectively in a relationship. So that's pretty much the basis of Lawrence's life. Yeah. And then every, every, almost every day, y'all give a nice little piece of relationship advice on uh, Instagram. TikTok, um, how'd y'all get started doing that? That was just, it, it looked like, I think, um, just like regular conversations that y'all probably had. It looks very similar to how me and my wife would just be sitting there talking and like one of y'all would say something and be like, man, like that was so good. Right, <laughs> right. I started. <laughs> right, man, I'm gonna tell you, like when we started TikTok, 
it was around what June, July last year. We started out with, you know, all of the trends. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, neither one of us are that great at dancing <laughs> or that great at learning lines. So <laughs> we would do like a hundred takes for one little <laughs> 15 second video. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so over the course we started to realize that yo we can be funny and have great content without all of that you know what I'm saying and just one day out of the blue I think I had said something and she was like wait hold on what you say and she recorded me and that just started that became the thing. Like if I get ready to say something, she'd be like, hold on, what you say? Say that again. So yeah, man, I'm telling you, but I love it because I be for real. Mm-hmm. Like I really do be for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the clips you be like, still like, like, you know, you had that stream of consciousness. You'll still be looking off. Like you still like delivering that joint. Like in that you, moment. Like, I be real, like for real. So it's, it's like real life stuff. Yeah. It goes on even when we have you know conversations about relationships it's real life stuff you know what i'm saying so yeah man yeah, yeah. no that's dope yeah man well for sure you know obviously y'all 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 doing y'all thing I, i'm a big supporter of y'all platform um so i'll always show love Thank but um i got two more questions for you Uh-oh. question number one is if you had a theme song for your life what would it be Theme song for my life, it would be I Never Would Have Made It by Marvin Sapp. Classic. Yeah, I love that song. I can hear that song today and I'd be about to cry. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, there have been a lot of times in my life where I wanted to just, you know, give up, whether it be just, man, I can't take, I'm gonna quit this job, or man, I can't take, I'm gonna leave this relationship, or man, I'm done. But, you know, when I hear that, I don't know. It's like, I know God is right there and he got me. So yeah, I never would have made it. That's, That's a good it. one. That's a good one. And if you had one piece of advice for somebody who went through any level of what you went through, what would it be? Heal. Get your healing. Because it's so hard to move forward and experience real happiness and true love and it's even harder to receive it because you still have the pain from what happened before the trauma creates triggers you know and it's hard to allow others to love you so heal number one absolutely that's 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 an amazing piece of advice tell the people where they can find you at yo well you can find me on instagram Lawrence Life, well, Lawrence underscore life 521. TikTok, of course, Lawrence Life. Is that an underscore, baby? Okay, I, I'll, look, she the one that be handling all the business, okay? <laughs> so, and, yo, and we also on Facebook too, Lawrence Life 521. So, hey, check us out, man. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Sharif, for coming through, sharing your story, being transparent. We definitely appreciate you on the platform. And y'all already know, man, this is another episode of the Quirly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll catch y'all on the next one.